Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, we're taking an earth walk with Christ, looking at his earthly life as recorded by the writer Luke, and I'm going to be honest with you, as we go through this, what we're trying to do is, we're trying to broaden our concept of who Christ is, we're trying to grasp the reality of who he is, and hopefully as you've gone along, you, you can see that the writer Luke is not just recording a bunch of stories about Jesus' life. He's not just recording a bunch of stories and giving a timeline up into the cross and then afterwards. He's trying to accomplish something in our minds concerning the reality of Jesus. He wants us to understand who he is and he wants us to be confronted with some questions that we have to deal with. And the reality is is that what we've been looking at here in chapter 8, especially, we've actually seen in chapter 6 through 8, is that we see the reality that Jesus really demands a response from us. Jesus is demanding that we do something with him. Jesus is demanding that we make a decision about him. And it's not just a mamsy-pamsy, oh, I kind of agree with that decision, It's a decision that's going to affect your life because you have to do something with him. And so what we see here is is basically that there are two questions that we're trying to wrestle with now as we get into this passage. And what we've seen is in the latter part of chapter 8 is that now Luke is trying to confront us with the question as he presents to us four different miracles, four different situations in which Jesus is kind of showing us who he is so that we make a decision about him. Last week, it was concerning his calming the seas and his power over nature. Today, we're going to see that we have to confront who Jesus is, the reality of him, as we see his power over the spiritual world. So let's look at this passage together, and we're going to see the reality of Jesus. So, first of all, before we look at the passage, what are those two questions that we've got to wrestle with? Here's what they are. Number one, who is Jesus that he demands a response? Who is Jesus that he demands a response? Now, let me just stop. As we think about that question, that goes against the grain of who we culturally are as a people. What do you mean by that, George? Well, think about it. In our culture today, in your individualistic life that you live, we don't like to have the thought that we are accountable to anybody. We don't like that whole aspect of authority over us. We, we are individuals, and so for someone to come along and demand that we pay attention to what they're saying, that just raises our backs up. We're like, well, who are you to tell me to do something? We don't like that. And so here comes Jesus... He is demanding that we pay attention to him and that we make a response about him. So we've got to ask that question is, who's this Jesus that he demands a response from me? So this is the question we're going to wrestle with today. The other question is, do you have faith or trust in him? Do you have faith 
or trust in Him. Now let me just stop for a moment. I have to explain this again. We talked about it a little bit last week. The reality of faith is more than just a belief in. The reality of faith is more than just a belief in. Because you can believe something but not have faith in it. You can believe all you... you everybody believes Jesus existed. There are many who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But the question comes down to more than just whether or not you mentally believe. The question comes down, do you trust? Do you have faith? That's the issue that we're being confronted with here. The question is, who is this Jesus that he demands a response from me? And then the other one is this, do you have faith or trust in him? And so Luke is trying to address those two issues here with us. So let's look. We're looking at verses 26 through 39 at another incident from Jesus' life. It's going to help us with these two questions as we wrestle with them. So look with me at verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when they stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountains. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man, entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he had been demon-possessed, was healed. And then the whole multitude surrounding the region of Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things Jesus had done for him. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically take this passage and divide it into two additional sections. We've looked at the questions that Luke is trying to get us to answer, but we're going to see that there is an encounter with evil, and then we're going to see what the responses are to Jesus. So let's look first of all at the encounter of evil. The first thing I want you to see is, is they're on the Sea of Galilee. Remember Jesus had said to them just a few verses before, let's cross over to the other side. Well, the other side is an area held by Gentiles. So it's not a Jewish area. It's an area held by Gentiles. That is, they're pagan believers. 
They're people just like us, because folks, we're Gentiles. They're Greeks, it's a Greek area. So they cross over, and as soon as they get out of the boat, they are confronted by a man who is demon-possessed. Luke tells us that he is naked. And notice what else Luke says there, that this man had many demons, wore no clothes, and he lived in the tombs. So what I want you to see here is that Jesus confronts spiritual forces of evil. Spiritual forces of evil. So immediately he gets out of the boat, he's in this pagan Gentile area, and he's confronting spiritual forces. Before he's maybe dealt with one demon. We see that from the passages that we go through, that he's confronting one demon. But here he's confronting many, so he's dealing with spiritual forces of evil now. The second thing I want you to see here, and this helps you to understand the nature of well, let me just stop for a moment before I give you the second point. You might be here today and you say, I don't know if I believe that, George. I don't know if I believe in spiritual forces of evil. Well, let me just say this. Whether you believe it or not, they're real. They exist. The spiritual forces of evil are actually angels, fallen angels, demons, as they're also known, whose master is Satan, who's real. And they exist. But you know what, can I be honest with you, in our scientific world, and the West is a scientific world, we have come to the place where we live our lives without ever even realizing that they are around us. And the fact of the matter is, is they are. Now, if you go to a foreign country, a lot of times to the third world, I've been to the third world, in the third world, the spirit world is actually, can I be honest with you, very real to them. And there are evidences of it all around. Now you say, now why doesn't that happen here? Well, first of all, the activity of the demonic host is to deceive you from the truth. The reality is we're already deceived. We don't believe that they exist, so we don't need to worry about it here. But in a world where they are sensitive to the spirit world, the actions take a different form, and they're real. And so Jesus here is confronting a very real force of evil. But here's what I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is that these forces were destroying this man's life. These forces were destroying a man's life. I want you to notice something, what's going on here with this guy. He's described in two ways. Number one, he's described as not having any clothes. So this guy has come to the place where he is no longer concerned about himself or his appearance. That's just a natural part of human life, folks. You know what? You get irritated with your wife primping in the morning every time she's got to go somewhere and it's 30 minutes. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Or ladies, you get irritated because he's not primping and he thinks that old shirt that he wore the day before is okay for going out with. That's just a part of our natural lives. Do you understand? Because you have a self-consciousness to who you are and a self-awareness. That's natural. This guy didn't have it. This is a result of the demons destroying his life. Here's something else I want you to see. Not only did he wear no clothes, he didn't have a place to live in. He stayed basically in isolation. That's also a very much an action of demonic forces in your life. When you isolate yourself from other people, folks, there's something wrong. When you become an island to yourself and you isolate yourself from others... There's something completely wrong there. Why? Because you were created to have a relationship. 
ultimately with God and then with each other. We are relational beings. And when you see people who don't want to have anything else to do with others, there's something wrong there. This is an action of a demon in this guy's life. Now the other problem is, is that he's not just isolated, he's living in the tombs. Now let me explain to you what that means. He's not just sleeping in the graveyard. In that day, in Palestine of that day, in that region, what they would do is, is that you, if you were going to have a burial place, if you had enough money, you would, they would pick a hillside, often the graveyards were in hillsides, and you would dig into the rock of the hillside, and you would dig a tomb, or what we call a mausoleum, in a hillside, and many of the tombs would have many rooms. And so there would be, you know, if Uncle Joe dies, you put him in this room with his family. And then maybe there would be empty rooms anticipating your death. Well, this guy was so, life was so destroyed by demonic forces, he not only was isolating himself, he not only was no longer caring about himself, he had totally on any kind of understanding of social norms. And he was living in the tombs. They were destroying his life. Let me just stop for a moment. What does this mean for you and I? Here's the reality, folks. There is spiritual forces of wickedness that exist. And their sole purpose is to destroy mankind. Period. That's their purpose. Now, that may bother you. The reality is, is that they're real. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul says, Ephesians chapter 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? But against principalities and powers of the air, against spiritual forces of wickedness. Paul is telling us to recognize what? That we're in a battle. That the reality is, is that there is a spiritual world out there and that they're trying to destroy man's life, your lives, our lives. Jesus is confronting these spiritual forces and these forces where, what? They were destroying this man's life. Now, I want you to notice something else about this encounter that happens here. Look with me, verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Look down there at verse 31. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Here's the point I want you to see. They feared Jesus. Spiritual forces are real. The evil that exists is real. Their purpose is to destroy mankind and lives, to torment us. We're not just talking about destroying. You understand? They could just, if they wanted to, they could kill. But that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to torment this guy. They've been tormenting him for years. But here they are confronted now with Jesus, and immediately when they see Jesus, they're what? Crying out, out of fear, because they recognize who Jesus is, that somebody far greater, somebody far more powerful is confronting them, and they're fearful. And look at what they're fearful of. Number one, they're fearful that he will torment them, Because isn't that what they're doing to the guy? You understand? Their minds are twisted. They're evil. They think in evil ways, and they think that evil is going to be done to them. So they're immediately, they're fearful. Here's somebody so much more powerful. 
And they think that he's going to torment them. And then the reality is, is here's the other thing they fear. They fear that Jesus is going to send them to the abyss. Now, what is the abyss? Now, we understand the abyss from the Bible, from the book of Revelation. That it is a holding place, that it is a prison for demons. They're fearful that Jesus is going to what? Send them there. So they're recognizing who Jesus is. In fact, this is the next point I want you to see. Jesus has power and authority over spiritual darkness. Jesus has power and authority over spiritual darkness. I want you to notice something. Remember the first question that we're wrestling with here today? There's two questions. first question is, who is this Jesus that he demands a response from me? The second question is, do I have faith or trust in him? I want you to notice something. Here is Jesus. He's confronted by these spiritual forces of wickedness, of evil. They're trying to destroy this man's life. But here comes Jesus, and they fear him. And Jesus has power and authority over them. And listen, folks, they know it. How do they know it? Because I want you to look with me. Look with me right there, verse 28. Look at how they describe Jesus. From the mouth of evil is a recognition of who Jesus is. Look at what it says there. What have I to do with you, Jesus? Okay, so it's recognizing it's Jesus. First of all, the guy, Jesus gets off the boat and the guy knows who he is. The reason why he knows who he is is because the demons within him know who he is. And here's who they say Jesus is. Look, Son of the Most High God. Well, let me just stop for a moment. You notice that your Bible capitalizes every one of those words. Have you noticed that? It's because what the demons are proclaiming is a title. They're proclaiming a title of who Jesus is. My friends, what we're seeing here is a title of who Jesus is. He is the Son of the Most High God. And the demons recognize it. And the reality is is that Jesus has authority and power over them because He's Creator. He's the one who created them. And they know it. And let me just explain something to you. What this passage is showing us as we try to wrestle with that question of who is this Jesus that he demands a response from us, it's trying to show us his deity. This is God. He's not just one who controls nature, as we saw when he calmed the seas, where he's not just one who does miracles. This is one who has power over and authority over spiritual hosts of wickedness. This is God himself. Now, how does this passage show us that? Because notice, when Jesus asks them, what is your name? He's not asking the man that. He's asking the demon that. And how did the demons respond? What did they say, folks? My name is what? Legion. Now, does anybody know how many, what legion means? All it says in the passage is, is, for there are many of us in this guy. Well, during this Roman period of time, a legion was often referred to a number of soldiers within a Roman army. And would you like to know how many soldiers it refers to? 6,000. In this man's life were 6,000 demons. And I want you to notice something. In fact, let's just stop for a moment. I want you to think about this with me. I just mentioned to you that we live in a world where the reality of evil is real. Whether we recognize it or not, whether our culture wants to recognize it or not, the reality of the evil that exists is real. 
and the evil that exists is seeking to destroy our lives. It's seeking to destroy your marriages. It's seeking to destroy you. It's seeking to destroy your kids. It's seeking to destroy this church. It's real, okay? Now, when I mention that, the first thing that pops into our mind is fear. Right? How many of you agree with me? Raise your hand. Yep. Whew, that's scary, George. They come here this morning to be scared. Scared. Fear. But I want you to notice something. This passage is trying to communicate something to us. That we're not the ones who need to be afraid because the passage is telling us who's afraid. Who's afraid in this passage, folks? Demons. Who are they afraid of? Jesus. What I want you to understand is we wrestle with the question of who is this Jesus that he demands a response from me is that we see the demons acknowledge who he is, the son of the most high God. But what I want you to see is is that this Jesus can command 6,000 demons to come out of a person and they respond. We're not just talking about one guy doing one exorcist. We're talking about somebody who can speak the word And they're afraid of where he's going to send them. In fact, I want you to notice how they respond to Jesus. He has authority over them. They're begging him, hey, Jesus, can can we go over to those swine, those pigs? We'll leave the guy, but can we go somewhere else? Don't send us to that other place. And he says, okay, go ahead. And what I want you to see is that's the whole nature of demons. They're out to destroy, aren't they? Jesus has power and authority over them. And so the guy is healed. So let's get back to that question we were asking. Who is this Jesus? I'll tell you who this Jesus is. He is God. No other way to say it. He is so much in authority and in control that the very spiritual hosts of wickedness cower in his presence. Do you understand that? that the very presence of him sends fear through pure evil. Do you realize that? That's who he is that demands a response from us. The one who can speak the word and evil responds. That's reality. That blows our mind, isn't it? That the very one who speaks the word, evil responds to him out of fear. That's who he is. But I want you to notice something. Luke doesn't just stop right there. I mean, that would be enough if he just stopped right there. It would be enough if he's trying to answer these questions with us. He's getting back to the whole issue of responses. He's getting back to the whole issue of how people react to Jesus. And he wants to show us that even in spite of this great miracle of this guy, notice something. I mean, he goes a little bit further, I think, in verse 29. It tells us a little bit more about the torment of this guy, that the demons are in this guy, so people, how they responded to this guy, is chain him up, lock him up. But the demons are so powerful in his life, they give him the supernatural ability to have, be able to break the chains off of him and drive him into the wilderness. So obviously, everybody around there knows about this dude. And I'm going to be honest with you, people knew there's some whacked out dude over in the tombs. Better stay away from him. And here comes Jesus. He confronts the evil, cleanses the man's life. And then Luke wants, doesn't just stop there. He doesn't want to just show us who he is. He wants to show us how people respond. And there's really just two responses. Here's the one by one. Jesus was rejected in spite of the miracle. Here's the scene. 
Demons come out of the guy. They go into the pigs. The pigs go berserk because of who's in them now. They kill themselves. They run off a steep cliff into the lake and drown. The guys, now the pigs aren't just out there by themselves, so they have tenders. They have people who, herdsmen who are taking care of them. They see this. Of course, they're freaked out. I mean, think picture of the scene. There's the whacked out guy. Ah! He confronts Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes, I mean, you can probably see the actions. Go ahead and go. And then immediately, your pigs go berserk. They kill themselves, and you're freaked out, so you head home. And you go back and you say, now think about it. How many pigs? This must have been a big herd of pigs. We're not just talking 20 or 30 here. We're talking 6,000 demons. So this must have been a huge number of pigs. And they're coming back and they're giving a report. Man, you won't believe this. All the pigs just jumped off the cliff. Come out and see this. There's some guy's there. and he, you know. So they come out. And when they get there, first of all, they're freaked out that their pigs are dead. But then when they see the guy that they know that is whacked out, in right mind, sitting in peace, clothed at Jesus, then they're like, oh, they're fearful now. Because you've got to understand something. They're pagan Gentiles. They don't know anything about God. They worship many gods. So they're fearful, like, man, who is this that can make this guy right? The reality is, listen to me, they're scared. Because they don't understand. But rather than embrace Here's what they do. Reject. They reject. You know, it happens today. Happens today. All the time. Happens today. They reject it. See, this is what's going on here in this passage. When you don't understand and you don't have God in your life and you don't care. Oh, wow, the guy's life's cleaned up. Wonderful. But, woo, get away from us. This is what's going on. And so Jesus was was rejected in spite of the miracle. Folks, here's what I want you to understand. A lot of times we'll pray this way. God, if they could only see how real you are, they'll respond to you. Folks, they won't. They won't. This is the reality. The, The response is, even in spite of who he is, and the fact that he demands a response from us, some will reject him. But I want you to notice how the response of the healed man was. The healed man committed himself to Jesus. Look with me, verse 38. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things Jesus had done for him. Here's what I want you to see. This guy, he committed himself he believed. He had faith. So much so, he's like, Jesus, you've got to take me with you. Jesus doesn't take him with him. He says, no, no, there's something else for you to do. You go back to your city, the people who just blew me off, and you tell them the stuff that I've done for you. And guess what he did? He did it. In fact, you know what? It's interesting. There's a parallel here, isn't it? You know, we come to Jesus and, and we say, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. At least that's been my prayer for 20-some years. God, I'll go anywhere for you. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You go back to the people who blew me off. You tell them what I've done for you. See the responsibility we have? See, he he left because they wanted him to leave. But he still didn't give up on them, did he? He just sent somebody else. That's what our role is, isn't it? People are blowing off Jesus all around us, aren't they? 
And Jesus saying, well, you go to them. You tell them what God is doing in their life. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.